Welcome to Art of Retreat 2018, the Parkour Leadership and Education Conference. This year, we're in the Cascade Mountains outside of Seattle. I'm Craig Constantine from Movers Mindset, and I'm here with Mark Mason. Mark Mason is an academy soccer coach and PE curriculum and assessment teacher. He's originally from Liverpool, England, and he's now in Spokane, Washington. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Craig. Mark, you did your session this afternoon on motivational psychology of sport and movement. And can you just first unpack that a little bit to give me just like the 30-second elevator pitch? Absolutely. Um, basically, the, the premise of uh, my seminar was to really analyze what motivational determinants um, affect different types of athletes, mm. how that can be utilized in uh, different uh, variety of settings. So for parkour, for example, for soccer, for another reason, for in a business, for mm -hmm. your employees, um, all for the goal in, in this instance, though, of getting people out there to be motivated, to have lifelong passion for, for doing something, for moving, participating mm -hmm. in activities or sports. Um, that was really the, the goal that I, I set out to achieve. Mark, so you come from an academic background. This is actual research that you've done that you were talking about. Um, so I'm wondering if there was anything that happened in your session that struck you as unique viewpoint. Maybe the parkour coaches and community leaders, maybe they had a different thing they wanted from you or, or maybe something different they saw in your material from what you're used to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I came in very blind um, to the parkour community, basically approaching this seminar as... Um, something that's a real platform for people to to utilize through my own action research uh, through theory through studies that i have done and others have done and i've found to be very beneficial for my goal of, of motivating people mm -hmm. um they give me some great insights on to to how they would direct what i was saying and what i was trying to give how they would utilize it in their own context mm -hmm. uh, we had some good discussions throughout uh, I think the instructors and the, uh, the the guys that were there really wanted specific details of how right. can I overcome fear, for example, or I'm an athlete and, and now I need to know how to be motivated to fall or fail or reach greater heights. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a as just a platform, it, that would have been very difficult to speak to for every individual question, which is unfortunate it sends it down so many different paths doing that. Mm -hmm. And we would need a lot of time to uncover all of that for the different variables, you know, trying right. to be achieved by these people. Um, but it gave some really good discussion points on, especially fear was uh, was a huge <laughs> part of it. For it's people. a big elephant in the room for parkour. And yeah. Let's want all these people together. Yeah. It was, it was great. Um, they did, you know, something called a cliff jump analogy right. where would you jump from what would motivate you to jump from that the parkour um guys they saw it really as well you're speaking toward fear mm -hmm. and how do i change that fear factor now that is not motivating somebody necessarily to to do something that is coping with a challenge or something that is stopping you from doing what you want to do mm -hmm. my my whole goal is how do I even get those people to be interested in the thought of jumping off the cliff to mm. start with? They've so already that, there. That struck you as odd that the people in the room were like, okay, we're jumping off the cliff. The question is, how do I get motivated to do it? Correct. As opposed to like, no, cliff jumping, no. Like, exactly. How mm. can I get you even to put that idea in, into mm. your head? Not for those people who are looking at it like, oh, I'm ready to jump. I'm already there. You just need to give me the incentive or the motivational factors that would send me off the cliff <laughs> um 
but no my my real my real task is to get those people even onto that cliff in the first place to even have it as an idea and plant that seed in their brain to think of it as something that is achievable mm-hmm. or something that they are motivated to do in the first instance Mark, I mentioned before that this is academic research that you did. So can you sketch just briefly what the research context was and then give me the takeaway that you were able to pull out of it? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so I encountered a problem um, in an eighth grade morning classroom. Mm -hmm. Basically, I don't know if you can determine what those factors might be where (laughs) these eighth graders do not want to do PE at 8 a.m. in the morning. I I think in the dictionary it says unmotivated is eighth grader at 8.15 for phys ed. I had a photo of many of them. Um, (laughs) But that was a a genuine research opportunity for me. I was scared to do it at at first and I I was not going to to even take on, I thought it was too much of a challenge. I, I wouldn't really figure out any strategies from it. But it was a need. And when there's a need, there's something, somebody has to try and solve that problem mm-hmm. for the benefit of the kids and their achievement and also the teachers and the, the, the expectations within the school too. Yeah, the performance of the school and, and how those children, I mean, aside from how they perform, you, you would like them to enjoy physical activity. You'd well, like them to enjoy play. Correct. And not just physical activity, enjoy, enjoy their schooling. You know, if that's right. the first thing they're hit with when they come into school, you know, it can set their day on a real different trajectory yeah. and that I, I i'm not happy with that feeling they would be miserable in school the whole day just because they have this first period p right. uh, you know and expectations and all the social factors that come with it you know do i now look funny because i've run right. is my hair a mess is right. I, am i smelly you know there's so <laughs> right. many social factors there that yeah, and they're different adolescent developments. Eighth grade is like right at the cusp where some people are like way ahead and focusing on sports and some are still just, they want to play. Correct. So yeah. it's a real mixture, a uh, real varied group of those who really want to, to go and play specific sports in general, but those that just like to interact and play, such mm-hmm. as tag games, mm-hmm. uh, was, was really interesting for me as well to observe in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And like cutting to the chase, like what's the, the actual out that you know, there's some things that you could say definitively from this group of kids that you had a chance to work with yeah um biggest biggest thing i collected so much data through different medium of um just what do you what do you want so student voice opportunities what is it that you need f- to be happy have in, they been asked that before like i i don't think so <laughs> i think that some of the observations i encountered you know autocratic teaching styles Mm -hmm. you will do this because i've told you this Mm -hmm. is what you have to do with no explanation as to why people might be running around a fence Mm. it is the thing that they have to do is as they've just woken up run around the fence Mm -hmm. three times or have you come and give me five burpees why is that important it's more of a punishment and that negative influence you know can carry lifelong right Uh, next time they want to go for a run right they it's might already view it as punishment. Right. So how did you flip that? How did you flip it and get them to be motivated? Or did yeah. you, I'm assuming you managed to. I I did my best. The data suggests they, they were a lot happier in, in the end of the study than in the beginning. Um, biggest takeaway for me, listen to your people. Listen to the students. What do they want? How, from their words, can you implement those actions needed to motivate? What things can I put in? So strategies I came up with four. One was find out what activity they enjoyed most mm-hmm. in their in their morning and make things around that activity. 
even if it was a different sport in general. Mm -hmm. But find those key components of that activity. Why did they enjoy it? Mm -hmm. And and what made it fun and motivational for you? Then try to transfer all of those things into different um, games and, you know, and things we were playing. So yes. that was that was one. And then it seems to me you still have the the PE teacher challenge of okay, these kids need to learn balance, they need to learn cardio, all these different aspects. So you still have to do all the hard work of figuring out how to fit it into an actual curriculum that you're like sneaking in under the fun radar. Correct. Yeah. So um, once I found out what they what motivated them in game wise and activity wise, then I could focus on what activities give the best cardio output. So mm-hmm. what, how uh, the highest of heart rates and calorie burn during our lesson. Uh, they were all attached with uh, heart rate monitors and only the data could be seen by myself. Right. But it gave a good uh, indication of which games... Um, uh, where you're on track and <clears throat> this one's going to perform better in terms of that metric. Or exactly. Right. So then, uh, you know, cardio-based games were everything. It was like which cardio-based games had the factors of the games they enjoy most mm-hmm. and was it was achieving the, the calorie burn or the, you know, the heart rate zones that we wanted them to be in that would be you know, for health and in within their fitness, in their, in, in their opportunities mm-hmm. in PE, rather than just running around a track, it meant right. more to them. They were doing something they enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So that so was you said, one. Right, so you said four, so one was uh, find out what they, you know, actually find, find out, out what, what they like. them, and then the second one? Uh, the second one was actually um, the instruction that they had been given, so from teacher-led. Mm. They, they had told me their teacher spends 25 minutes with them sat in the morning mm. listening to him talk about what they have to do and why they have to not necessarily explaining why they have to do it but they have to do it otherwise they will not receive a grade grade, so it's it's not and it like letting them know about fitness or why it would be important to our lifelong learning or our lifelong health Mm -hmm. it is you will do it because i've said you will do it Mm -hmm. they you know, they quoted 25, 20 minutes and through my observations, that was very accurate. That was accurate. So the instruction, they wanted very small instruction. So I promised to give them three to five minutes at the beginning of every lesson of just, here's the rules, here's the setup, here's what I would like you to begin by doing. And then any stoppages would have been a 30 seconds right. or a minute and a half of information. Some intervention that's really needed. Correct. Or to progress the session or to differentiate, to mm-hmm. suit those uh, to challenge more hmm. or to make things a little easier for those who might be still in the technical stage of the learning phase rather than autonomy right. and they you know or the skill phase where they they don't want to be opposed to somebody they want space and freedom mm-hmm. without any pressure uh, in basketball for example or dribbling without an opponent to take the ball off you they oh, wanted right. space to dribble but things like that they wanted small pieces of instruction mm-hmm. um, which i promised i would give them and, and the last strategy is as simple as it is. Um, I gave them the choice to make a playlist for our period. Mm-hmm. They were all allowed to choose as many songs as they wished. And I would put it on a, a playlist for them. And that would be our music for them. And even w- what astounded me was the students that never really wanted to participate now suddenly had an enjoyment factor where they would start dancing at least or getting involved with their friends who might be doing some form of activity just because a song that they enjoyed really. was playing and that for me was another was another thing how many times do we in our gyms and areas put on music that we enjoy right and we find motivational same music over and over or the and same music right. correct but if you know the kids throughout this year-long study 
could come to me have you heard this new song mm. i really like this can we add it to the playlist of course we can mm. and you know just hearing everybody's voice hearing what they liked within their their lessons really helped to engage and and retain some of those children some of the ones that probably wouldn't have shown up in the morning because mm-hmm. it was early and challenging yeah i could just skip and take the fail right Ex- exactly it might as well put them out of their misery you know <laughs> from sat there with a teacher breathing down their throat mm. but just little things that might get them engaged with the content so the research that you did and what we've been talking about is is a very specific context um eighth graders and early pe and I'm, I'm wondering if we can uh, zoom out a little bit and give um, a, like a challenge or a takeaway or a question for people who are listening, um, some way for them to take a bit of this and apply it either to themselves or to their classes or their community. Sure. Um, big takeaway for me, um, which I was something very impressed with in the seminar, people really got involved quite well with, with this task. Um, looking at yourself as a teacher, as, a, as a, an ex-athlete or a current one, uh, as a business owner, as a manager, as a coach, as anybody that you might have influence toward, look at yourself and ask yourself the question, am I doing enough to get my people, my participants involved in the content? Um, if you feel you are, are there ways that you can increase that drive and determination to do things a little more, a little better, a little mm-hmm. more challenging? What might those things be? Um, I want you to ask yourself, do I spend enough time listening and trying to implement strategies from what I've just listened to? Or do I disregard them? Because it's an impossible task to meet 30 different people's needs. But there are ways to do it. You have to be clever and you have to be creative. But there are ways to do it. Are you doing enough of it? Do you think it would be beneficial if you did? are you going to disregard it because you you might not be um, worthy of, of doing it in your setting that those are kind of some of the takeaways the biggest one for me please think towards uh, maslow's hierarchy of needs maslow's hierarchy of needs um you are you are determining what somebody needs from where they are in this if i can visualize it just this pyramid mm-hmm. starting from the bottom is physiological needs these guys need warmth clothing from there step by step by step can i ensure that whatever level they're at can i give it to them can i help them through it so they can reach the next step and become just self-determined and self-efficient and then creative within their field driven throughout really with a with a goal to achieve and to learn and become autonomous and highly motivated in that field. How can I help those people from whatever level they're at? Mm. How do I do it? Well, thank you very much, Mark. Mark is one of 24 presenters this year, so be sure to check back to hear more.